The Complete Works of Winnie the Pooh. The immortal stories from the books Winnie the Pooh and The House at Pooh Corner, and poems from When We Were Very Young and Now We Are Six by Alan Alexander Milne. Presented for radio, unabridged, in 18 parts. Produced by Christopher Toyne and performed by Peter Dennis. Part 3, in which Piglet meets a heffalump. which piglet meets a heffalump. One day, when Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh and Piglet were all talking together, Christopher Robin finished the mouthful he was eating and said carelessly, I saw a heffalump today, Piglet. <coughs> what was it doing? asked Piglet. Just lumping along, said Christopher Robin. I don't think it saw me. I saw one once, said Piglet. At least I think I did he said. Only perhaps it wasn't. So did I, said Pooh, wondering what a heffalump was like. You don't often see them, said Christopher Robin carelessly. Not now, said Piglet. Not at this time of year, said Pooh. Then they all talked about something else, until it was time for Pooh and Piglet to go home together. At first, as they stumped along the path which edged the hundred-acre wood, they didn't say much to each other. But when they came to the stream and had helped each other across the stepping stones and were able to walk side by side again over the heather, they began to talk in a friendly way about this and that. And Piglet said, If you see what I mean, Pooh. And Pooh said, It's just what I think myself, Piglet. And Piglet said, But on the other hand, Pooh, we must remember. And Pooh said, Quite true, Piglet, although I had forgotten it for the moment. And then, just as they came to the six pine trees, Pooh looked round to see that nobody else was listening and said in a very solemn voice, Piglet, I have decided something. What have you decided, Pooh? I have decided to catch a heffalump. Pooh nodded his head several times as he said this and waited for Piglet to say, How? Or, Pooh, you couldn't. Or, something helpful of that sort, but Piglet said nothing. The fact was, Piglet was wishing that he had thought about it first. I shall do it, said Pooh, after waiting a little longer, by means of a trap, and it must be a cunning trap, so you will have to help me, Piglet. Pooh, <coughs> said Piglet, feeling quite happy again now, I will. And then he said, How shall we do it? And Pooh said, That's just it. How? And then they sat down together to think it out. Pooh's first idea was that they should dig a very deep pit, and then the heffalump would come along and fall into the pit, and... Why? said Piglet. Why what? said Pooh. Why would he fall in? Pooh rubbed his nose with his paw and said that the heffalump might be walking along, humming a little song and looking up at the sky, wondering if it would rain, 
and so he wouldn't see the very deep pit until he was halfway down, when it would be too late. Piglet said that this was a very good trap, but supposing it were raining already? Pooh rubbed his nose again and said that he hadn't thought of that. And then he brightened up and said that if it were raining already, the heifer-lump would be looking up at the sky, wondering if it would clear up, and so he wouldn't see the very deep pit until he was halfway down, when it would be too late. Piglet said that now that this point had been explained, he thought it was a cunning trap. Pooh was very proud when he heard this, and he felt that the heifer-lump was as good as caught already. But there was just one other thing which had to be thought about, and it was this. Where should they dig the very deep pit? Piglet said that the best place would be somewhere where a heifer-lump was, just before he fell into it, only about a foot further on. But then he would see us digging it, said Pooh. Not if he was looking at the sky. He would suspect, said Pooh, if he happened to look down. He thought for a long time and then added sadly, It isn't as easy as I thought. I suppose that's why heifer-lumps hardly ever get caught. That must be it, <coughs> said Piglet. They sighed and got up. And when they had taken a few gorse prickles out of themselves, they sat down again. And all the time Pooh was saying to himself, If only I could think of something. For he felt sure that a very clever brain could catch a heifer-lump, if only he knew the right way to go about it. Suppose, he said to Piglet, you wanted to catch me. How would you do it? Well, said Piglet, I should do it like this. I should make a trap, and I should put a jar of honey in the trap, and you would smell it, and you'd go in after it, and... And I would go in after it, said Pooh excitedly, only very carefully, so as not to hurt myself, and I would get to the jar of honey, and I should lick round the edges first of all, pretending that there wasn't any more, you know, and then I should walk away and think about it a little, and then I should come back and start licking in the middle of the jar, and then... Yes, well, never mind about that, there you would be, and there I should catch you. Now, first thing to think of is, what the heffalumps like... I should think acorn, shouldn't you? We'll get a lot of... I say, wake up, Pooh! Pooh had gone into a happy dream, woke up with a start, and said that honey was a much more trappy thing than acorns. Piglet didn't think so, and they were just going to argue about it when Piglet remembered that if they put the acorns in the trap, he would have to find the acorns, but if they put honey, then Pooh would have to give up some of his own honey, so he said, all right, honey, then, just as Pooh remembered it too and was going to say, all right, acorns. Honey, said Piglet to himself in a thoughtful way, as if it were now settled. I'll dig the pit while you go and get the honey. Very well, said Pooh and he stumped off. As soon as he got home, he went to the larder, and he stood on a chair, and he took down a very large jar of honey from the top shelf. It had H-U-N-N-Y written on it, but just to make sure, he took off the paper cover and looked at it, and it looked just like honey. But you never can tell, said Pooh. I remember my uncle saying once that he had seen cheese just this colour. So he put his tongue in and took a large lick. Yes, he said, it is. 
no doubt about that. And honey, I should say, right down to the bottom of the jar. Unless, of course, he said, somebody put cheese in at the bottom just for a joke. Perhaps I'd better go a little further, just in case. In case heifer-lumps don't like cheese. Same as me. Ah. And he gave a deep sigh. I was right. It is honey, right the way down. Having made certain of this, he took the jar back to Piglet. And Piglet looked up from the bottom of his very deep pit and said, Got it? <coughs> and Pooh said, Yes, but it isn't quite a full jar. And he threw it down to Piglet, and Piglet said, No, it isn't. Is that all you've got left? And Pooh said, Yes, because it was. So Piglet put the jar at the bottom of the pit and climbed out, and they went off home together. Well, good night, Pooh, said Piglet, when they had got to Pooh's house, and we meet at six o'clock tomorrow morning by the pine trees and see how many heifer lumps we've got in our trap. Six o'clock, Piglet. And have you got any string? No. Why do you want string? To lead them home with. Oh. I think heffalumps come if you whistle. Some do, and some don't. You never can tell with heffalumps. Well, good night. Good night. And off Piglet trotted to his house, trespassers were, while Pooh made his preparations for bed. Some hours later, just as the night was beginning to steal away, Pooh woke up suddenly with a sinking feeling. He had had that sinking feeling before, and he knew what it meant. He was hungry. So he went to the larder, and he stood on a chair, and reached up to the top shelf and found... nothing. That's funny, he thought. I know I had a jar of honey there. A full jar, full of honey right up to the top, and it had honey written on it so that I should know it was honey. That's very funny. And then he began to wander up and down, wondering where it was, and murmuring a murmur to himself, like this. It's very, very funny, cause I know I had some honey, cause it had a label on saying honey. A galoptious full up pot too, and I don't know where it's got to, no, I don't know where it's gone. Well, it's funny. He had murmured this to himself three times in a singing sort of way, when suddenly he remembered. He had put it into the cunning trap to catch the heifer lump. Bother, said Pooh. It all comes of trying to be kind to heifer lumps. And he got back into bed. But he couldn't sleep. The more he tried to sleep, the more he couldn't. He tried counting sheep, which is sometimes a good way of getting to sleep. And as that was no good, he tried counting heffalumps. And that was worse, because every heffalump that he counted was making straight for a pot of Pooh's honey and eating it all. For some minutes he lay there miserably. But when the 587th heffalump was licking its jaws and saying to itself, very good honey, this. I don't know when I've tasted better. Pooh could bear it no longer. He jumped out of bed, he ran out of the house, and he ran straight to the six pine trees. The sun was still in bed, 
but there was a lightness in the sky over the hundred-acre wood which seemed to show that it was waking up and would soon be kicking off the clothes. In the half-light, the pine trees looked cold and lonely, and the very deep pit seemed deeper than it was, and Pooh's jar of honey at the bottom was something mysterious, a shape and no more. But as soon as he got nearer to it, his nose told him that it was indeed honey, and his tongue came out and began to polish up his mouth, ready for it. Bother, said Pooh as he got his nose inside the jar. A heifer lump has been eating it. And then he thought a little and said, Oh no, I did. I forgot. Indeed, he had eaten most of it. But there was a little left at the very bottom of the jar, and he pushed his head right in and began to lick. By and by, Piglet woke up. As soon as he woke, he said to himself, Oh. Then he said bravely, Yes. And then still more bravely, Quite so. But he didn't feel very brave, for the word which was really jiggeting about in his brain was heffalumps. What was a heffalump like? Was it fierce? Did it come when you whistled? And how did it come? Was it fond of pigs at all? If it was fond of pigs, did it make any difference what sort of pig? Supposing it was fierce with pigs, would it make any difference if the pig had a grandfather called Trespassus William? He didn't know the answer to any of these questions, and he was going to see his first heffalump in about an hour from now. Of course, Pooh would be with him and it was much more friendly with two. But suppose heffalumps were very fierce with pigs and bears. Wouldn't it be better to pretend that he had a headache and couldn't go up to the six pine trees this morning? But then suppose that it was a very fine day and there was no heffalump in the trap. Here he would be, in bed all the morning, simply wasting his time for nothing. What should he do? And then he had a clever idea. He would go up very quietly to the six pine trees now, peep very cautiously into the trap and see if there was a heffalump there. And if there was, he would go back to bed, and if there wasn't, he wouldn't. So off he went. At first he thought that there wouldn't be a heffalump in the trap, and then he thought that there would. And as he got nearer, he was sure that there would, because he could hear it heffalumping about it like anything. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, said Piglet to himself, and he wanted to run away. But somehow, having got so near, he felt that he must just see what a heffalump was like. So he crept to the side of the trap and looked in. And all the time Winnie the Pooh had been trying to get the honey jar off his head. The more he shook it, the more tightly it stuck. Bother! he said inside the jar, and, Oh, help! and mostly, and he tried bumping it against things, but as he couldn't see what he was bumping it against, it didn't help him, and he tried to climb out of the trap. But as he could see nothing but jar, and not much of that, he couldn't find his way. So at last he lifted up his head, jar and all, and made a loud roaring noise of sadness and despair. 
And it was at that moment that Piglet looked down. Help! Help! cried Piglet. A heffalump! A horrible heffalump! And he scampered off as hard as he could, still crying out, Help! Help! A horrible heffalump! Hoff! Hoff! A horrible horrorlump! Hoff! Hoff! A horrible hellerup! And he didn't stop crying and scampering until he got to Christopher Robin's house. Whatever's the matter, Piglet? said Christopher Robin, who was just getting up. Heff! said Piglet, breathing so hard that he could hardly speak. A heff! A heff! A heffalump! Where? Up there! said Piglet, waving his paw. What did it look like? Like, like, it had the biggest head you ever saw, Christopher Robin. A great, enormous thing, like, like, nothing. A huge, big, well, like a, well, I don't know, like, like an enormous, big nothing. Like a, a jar. Well, said Christopher Robin, putting on his shoes, I shall go and look at it. Come on. Piglet wasn't afraid if he had Christopher Robin with him, so off they went. I can hear it. Can't you? said Piglet anxiously as they got near. I can hear something, said Christopher Robin. It was Pooh bumping his head against a tree root he'd found. There, said Piglet. Isn't it awful? And he held on tight to Christopher Robin's hand. Suddenly Christopher Robin began to laugh. And he laughed and he laughed and he laughed. And while he was still laughing, crash went the heffalump's head against the tree root, smash went the jar, and out came Pooh's head again. Then Piglet saw what a foolish Piglet he had been, and he was so ashamed of himself that he ran straight off home and went to bed with a headache. But Christopher Robin and Pooh went home to breakfast together. Oh, bear, said Christopher Robin, how I do love you. So do I, said Pooh. Forgiven, I found a little beetle. So that Beetle was his name, and I called him Alexander, and he answered just the same. I put him in a matchbox, and I kept him all the day. And Nanny let my Beetle out. Yes, Nanny let my Beetle out. She went and let my Beetle out, and Beetle ran away. She said she didn't mean it, and I never said she did. She said she wanted matches, and she just took off the lid. She said that she was sorry, but it's difficult to catch an excited sort of Beetle you've mistaken for a match. She said that she was sorry, and I really mustn't mind as there's lots and lots of beetles which she's certain we could find if we looked about the garden for the holes where beetles hid, and we'd get another matchbox and write, Beetle, on the lid. We went to all the places which a beetle might be near, and we made the sort of noises which a beetle likes to hear, and I saw a kind of something, and I gave a sort of shout, A beetle house! An Alexander beetle coming out! It was Alexander Beetle, I'm as certain as can be, and he had a sort of look as if he thought it must be me, and he had a sort of look as if he thought he ought to say, I'm very, very sorry that I tried to run away. And Nanny's very sorry too, for you know what she did, and she's writing Alexander very blackly on the lid. So Nan and me are friends, because it's difficult to catch an excited Alexander you've mistaken for a match. Teddy Bear A bear 
however hard he tries, grows tubby without exercise. Our teddy bear is short and fat, which is not to be wondered at. He gets what exercise he can by falling off the ottoman, but generally seems to lack the energy to clamber back. Now tubbiness is just the thing which gets a fellow wondering, and Teddy worried lots about the fact that he was rather stout. He thought, if only I were thin, but how does anyone begin? He thought, it really isn't fair to grudge me exercise and air. For many weeks he pressed in vain his nose against the window-pane, and envied those who walked about reducing their unwanted stout. None of the people he could see is quite, he said, as fat as me. Then, with a still more moving sigh, I mean, he said, as fat as I. Now, Teddy, as was only right, slept in the ottoman at night, and with him crowded in as well more animals than I can tell. Not only these, but books and things, such as a kind relation brings, old tales of once upon a time, and history retold in rhyme. One night it happened that he took a peep at an old picture book, wherein he came across by chance the picture of a king of France, a stoutish man, and down below these words, King Louis so-and-so nicknamed the handsome there he sat and think of it the man was fat our bear rejoiced like anything to read about this famous king nicknamed the handsome there he sat and certainly the man was fat nicknamed the handsome not a doubt the man was definitely stout why then a bear for all his tub, might yet be named the handsome cub. Might yet be named. Or did he mean that years ago he might have been? For now he felt a slight misgiving. Is Louis so-and-so still living? Fashions in beauty have a way of altering from day to day. Is handsome Louis with us yet? Unfortunately, I forget. Next morning, nose to window-pane, the doubt occurred to him again. One question hammered in his head, is he alive or is he dead? Thus, nose to pane, he pondered, but the lattice window, loosely shut, swung open with one startled, Oh! Our teddy disappeared below. There happened to be passing by a plump man with a twinkling eye, who, seeing Teddy in the street, raised him politely to his feet and murmured kindly in his ear soft words of comfort and of cheer. Well, well, allow me, not at all. Tut, tut, a very nasty fall. Our Teddy answered not a word. It's doubtful if he even heard. Our bear could only look and look, the stout man in the picture book, that handsome king. Could this be he, this man of adiposity? Impossible, he thought, but still, no harm in asking. Yes, I will. Are you, he said, by any chance his majesty the king of France? The other answered, I am that, bowed stiffly, and removed his hat, then said, Excuse me, with an air, but is it Mr. Edward Bear? And Teddy 
bending very low, replied politely, Even so. They stood beneath the window there, the King and Mr. Edward Bear, and handsome, if a trifle fat, talked carelessly of this and that. Then said His Majesty, Well, well, I must get on, and rang the bell. Your bear, I think, he smiled. Good day, and turned and went upon his way. A bear, however hard he tries, grows tubby without exercise. Our teddy bear is short and fat, which is not to be wondered at. But do you think it worries him to know that he is far from slim? No, just the other way about. He's proud of being short and stout. The Engineer Let it rain. Who cares? I've a train upstairs with a brake which I make from a string sort of thing which works in jerks because it drops in the spring which stops with the string and the wheels all stick so quick that it feels like a thing that you make with a brake, not string. So that's what I make when the day's all wet. It's a good sort of brake, but it hasn't worked yet. Binker Binker, what I call him, is a secret of my own. And Binker is the reason why I never feel alone. Playing in the nursery, sitting on the stair, whatever I am busy at, Binker will be there. Oh, Daddy's clever. He's a clever sort of man. And Mummy's the best since the world began. And Nanny is Nanny. And I call her Nan. But they can't see Binker. Binker's always talking, because I'm teaching him to speak. He sometimes likes to do it in a funny sort of squeak and he sometimes likes to do it in a hoodling sort of roar, and I have to do it for him because his throat is rather sore. Oh, Daddy is clever. He's a clever sort of man, and Mummy knows all that anybody can, and Nanny is Nanny, and I call her Nan. But they don't know Binker. Binker's brave as lions when we're running in the park. Binker's brave as tigers when we're lying in the dark. Binker's brave as elephants. He never, never cries. Except, like other people, when the soap gets in his eyes. Oh, Daddy is Daddy. He's a Daddy sort of man. And Mummy is as Mummy as anybody can. And Nanny is Nanny. And I call her Nan. But they're not like Binker. Binker isn't greedy, but he does like things to eat. So I have to say to people when they're giving me a sweet, Oh, Binker wants a chocolate, so could you give me two? And then I eat it for him. Because his teeth are rather new. Well, I'm very fond of Daddy, but he hasn't time to play. And I'm very fond of Mummy, but she sometimes goes away. And I'm often cross with Nanny when she wants to brush my hair. But Binker's always Binker, and is certain to be there. The Complete Works of Winnie the Pooh Performed by Peter Dennis based on the stage show Bother. Music composed and conducted by Don Davis. Piano played by Gloria Chang and clarinet by Charles Boito. 
Production recorded and mixed by Jeff Sykes at KCRW Santa Monica. Executive producer, Jacqueline Delorier. Radio production directed by Christopher Toyne. A co-production of KCRW and Bother LA Production. You've just heard the complete works of Winnie the Pooh on ICANNHD2 and ICANNRadio.org. Unabridged recordings of the four Winnie the Pooh books can be found at downpour.com or by calling 1-855-369-6768.